Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender Show, it's a show about Keys life and bartending. Not particularly in that order. Uh, Keys life today is beautiful. It's a beautiful day. A little breezy, sunny. Got my little workout on. Did a little lawn work. And uh, got a little, little fun in the sun. Kind of sunbathed a bit. Listen to a podcast, as you might be doing if you're listening to this. But uh, yesterday I had a conversation with someone who was looking for uh, help for uh, a restaurant. They were actually looking to staff a restaurant. They were looking for a manager and they were going to need a new staff and all that stuff. And they, they approached me. And I'm not going to give any other hints other than that. And then my thoughts on it. And, you know, the immediate thought I heard when someone says, how would you like to manage a restaurant? I thought, wow, is there there's something about a job that you take home with you? That always, all the restaurant manager, all the restaurant owners are always thinking about things afterwards. Like when you go home, it's never, it's not a job when you, it, doesn't seem to be one of those jobs, like many jobs, when you leave, when you walk out the door, that you leave all your cares behind. There's always things you have to worry about. There's ordering, there's staffing, there's service, there is a myriad of things, bills. You're thinking about what your gross is, what your net is. Are you charging enough? Or do you have too much stock on hand? And I was thinking about the nuances down here of being in the Florida Keys. Every place down here, most most places are seafood-based. They all have mahi and things like that, except for perhaps the pizza places. We have a couple pizza places that are not um, some ethnic restaurants, even though they seem to have it too. They have a couple. We have a couple Italian restaurants. We have a whole slew of Mexican restaurants. But the Mexican restaurants, they do seafood. They always have a, a fish sandwich or something like that, or fish platter. Uh, so it's hard to really come up with a cuisine that would be, you know, something that would stand out. It's not like you're in a big city. Where you can just say, well, why not Indian food? There's no Indian food in the neighborhood. And you think, well, it's a big city. There's tons of people from India here or people that like Indian food. Let's try it. You know, it's just not one of those things when you go out of season. Like right now, when you go on the road, it seems like we're at about 40% of capacity. When the tourists leave, when it gets towards the end of the school year, getting ready to get into the summer, we're going to have some peak weeks in the summer when it comes to light, uh, lobster mini season, uh, the holidays, you know, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day. Uh, you know, before that, actually, we have Mother's Day, but that's not, not necessarily a big weekend for Dan here. It's a big weekend. Weekend, it's a big restaurant weekend. 
So with the cyclical nature of it, in season, you could almost put anything up. You could just have a a restaurant that just says, we just sell hot dogs and sausages. That's it. You would probably do well, you know, if you as long as you scaled it right. Didn't try to do like a a fifty seat restaurant. You could probably get away with like a a nice hot dog cart near a crowded venue. But out of season, man, you just got you rely on your locals and your locals. You need to have a wide, kind of like wide ranging menu. And I spoke to this person. I said, boy, developing a menu for a restaurant and a cuisine has to be the most difficult part. Because then, like I spoke about liquor, having different liquors and having too much, the same thing goes for a menu. If you have a wide-ranging menu, you could have trouble getting rid of your stock. I mean, a big thing down here is fresh fish, not having frozen. In order to have fresh fish, you have to be able to, um, you know, purchase it, but you also have to sell it. If you keep on purchasing things that you're not selling, that's a recipe for bankruptcy. So, and you don't want to hold on to it too long either. You either throw it out or you do the worst, the even worst thing you could do is serve questionable food. You serve food that has turned Man, that is a problem. And there's people that come in and say, is your fish, you know, it's not busy. If it's not busy, almost, I'll tell you, almost any place, if it's extraordinarily slow and you're demanding fresh fish, I'm going to say fresh fish, fresh. I kind of mumble that down, don't I? Fresh, fresh, fresh fish. Yeah, if you're serving fresh fish, if you don't have the traffic, how are you going to go through it? You got to order it and go through it. You don't want to hold on to that for more than two days when you get unfrozen product. Because after two days, was if uh, Benjamin Franklin says, house guests are like fish. In two days, they start going bad. Well, I can't understand how that would last two days in colonial times because they really didn't have ice. Unless you kept it alive in a bucket of water or something like that for a little while. You know, because here, because of ref- even re- refrigeration, refrigeration, uh, you, you, it does not have that long a shelf life. So you, you got to think about what you're going to keep in stock and how you're going to serve it. Um, the people that do do so seafood do have a tough time this time of year. Do you have a tough time this time of year? Listen, you have you have fishermen on contract, and you have to buy product. I mean, you don't have to buy product, but you want to keep your fishermen on, uh, that you have under Some of these restaurants have fishermen on the contract. And these fishermen depend on, upon this on their livelihood. But you just can't keep on buying product and not selling it unless you choose, obviously, to freeze. And that's always a big thing. Once you freeze a piece of fish, it changes the nature of it. So that's where... The places like pizza places, Mexican restaurants, Italian restaurants, they have it a little easier because your product can be frozen. Anytime you can have a product that's frozen has a good shelf life, like ground beef. Ground beef has good shelf life. Steak, pretty good. Fish, not so much. 
Not so much. I wonder why I'm having that problem. Not so mush, I said. You know, maybe it's because I was working in the sun. Maybe I'm a little, you know, I'm getting a little addled. But I thought about that. I'm thought about the developing a menu. And I said, if you're going to have a menu, you want to have it real tight. And you want to have a product that moves and product that's stable. That's going to last a couple of months. So when you get to do it, you just go it and you get people to work on it. And, and once you get regulars, but if you're depending on regulars, regulars like to change it up every so often. Some regulars will order the same thing, same four or five things. Other people like to try something different. They like to see the specials. And uh, I know a couple, I can, I can just visualize people there and say, what are the specials today? I want to say, try something different. And that's good. That's good to have that stuff. And you can still kind of do, the specials are something you can pretty much develop. But having that menu set, once you ever get on one of those menus and there's like 12 pages and you're thinking, well, how am I going to get this? What do I want? Oh, here's 12 pages of food. How am I going to narrow this down? It's going to be tough. i got to make a decision. I'm hungry, and there's so many things. Well, I, I, have, uh, I think I'm pretty good with picking. I know, I know when something catches my eye, I'll just decide on that, and I'll stop looking at the menu because there's nothing worse than going, ordering something, and then looking over a little to your right, and you go, oh, I could have ordered that. But that, that thing, a tight, a tight menu... With a good special selection, I like. I always appreciated that for words. And a lot of finer restaurants. When you see a fine restaurant, really good restaurants, they do not have huge menus. They'll they'll develop. They'll have like three, four things. They'll have a meat special, a steak special. Uh, they may have a chicken special. They may have a fish special. They may have a salad special and their soup. And that's it. And then a couple desserts. I mean, a dessert special, maybe. And that's the way to do it. You know, like this, uh, you, you come in, you order. But it seems like when you get to more family restaurants, you got people that come in, you got the kids and goes, my kid only eats chicken fingers that are breaded with panko crust. And I said, wow, well, that's a pain in the ass. But that's the way it is. So a tight menu, keep a tight inventory. Same thing with liquor. I mentioned it on previous episode. You don't want to have, you don't want to carry a lot of stock as something. But carrying a stock liquor, at least you can use that stuff. At least you can do that stuff. But you don't really want to sink all your, your capital into stock all the time. You want to be able to purchase a stock from your revenue that you have. So you do that, and then you got to motivate your staff. You got to worry about your staff showing up. You know, especially the service industry is notorious for people that um, don't feel as tied down to their workplace, not as loyal. Because first of all, you're working at a place that doesn't really provide you tons of benefits and things like that. You could just move on to the next place. You're not worried about losing your four hundred four hundred one k or your equity. Or your seniority. It could be. You could worry about if you're like working as a busser and you're waiting to move up to a bartender. Or same thing to a server. Yeah, you could maybe miss that. But 
the restaurant business is notorious for people to be more itinerant and moving around. And then you got to think of your equipment. If one of your pieces of equipment goes down, God forbid if someone gets sick from your food that you held on too long. Questionable food. There are always questionable food out there. And the tighter, the narrower your profits. You know, if you're just rarely running, if you're running slightly in the black, right? Just slightly in the black. You're probably going to have a tendency to hold on to stock a lot longer. So you got to be careful about that. So I thought all these things, and I'm sure I'm thinking about other things I forgot. I'm thinking you got to think of your decor, um, that the way you want to do it. If you're down here in the tropics, obviously we're in the tropics. If you're doing uh, the best thing to do in season when the weather's nice is to have a view. You know, a lot of times down here, the premium spots are on the ocean. Now, if you're on the highway, it's a little harder. The highway, you got to concentrate on your decor inside. So, but there's a lot of benefits to that too. If you're inside when it's rainy or when it's um, very hot, got to make sure if you got AC and your place is cold and stuff like that, that'll bring people in. You say, ah, I don't want to sit outside, I don't want to sit under one of those. Um, indoor, outdoor venues. There's a lot of those down here. So when it's hot outside, there's people saying, you're on a, you're on a boat all day. You don't know. Uh, there's a lot of times you don't want to be sitting outside. So it was funny. When someone mentioned something to me, I get start getting anxious because there is a ton of stress involved in it. I had a particular... Uh, in the last couple of years, there was a particular manager that worked at a restaurant, really nice person. They'd come in and you could see the stress in their face and they were really quiet. And we'd talk to them. I'd say, listen, what are you doing to yourself? What are, you, are you, what are you doing outside of work? Do you have a life outside of work? Are you doing anything? And he says, no, I just work all the time. I work six days a week. You know, it's hard to get... It's hard to get another manager to fill. And a lot of times I have to fill in. I got to fill. You have to fill the gaps. If you're the manager and there's nobody, if someone doesn't show up, you open up. If there's no one left to close, you're closing down. If you don't have anyone to bartend, you're bartending. You're serving. You're cooking. It's just the way it is. It's a small business song and dance. So... Yeah, whenever people, if you have deep pockets, and I knew a couple people, I worked for a person that had deep pockets. I worked at a place in Almorada, and he spent a ton of money. And they could just go out and hire people, no problem. And it was a beautiful place, beautiful place. But they didn't have the concerns that most people have when they run businesses. They didn't worry about running into black right away. They were, I imagine they were running into red the whole time. Running into red. Or maybe if they were running into black, just barely. Just barely. You know, they just, just owning a restaurant. And just had generated enough income to pay your, your bills, your taxes, your inventory, and your salaries. 
But, you know, most people, when you're working, you have a restaurant, you got you're little, got a little more concerns for things like that. You got to be a little more hefty, hefty revenue stream. You got to worry about your lease and all your equipment. So when that person mentioned it, it's just like stress. Speaking of stress, you know, when you have someone that you really care about, let's say you're married or doing anything, you got it. And this is off the restaurant topic. Um, Sometimes you think you're doing something for them or something that will benefit them. And they don't see it that way. Let's say you have the opportunity, excuse me, you have the opportunity to work a little more. And and you think, well, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just uh, work a little more and make some more money. But if you're in a situation like I am, you got to think about your health and you you tell someone, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to be working the double. I didn't I didn't put myself in their shoes, even though I feel as if I can do it. I can feel as if I can work. I totally forgot. You know, I'm thinking in my head, maybe I shouldn't work because, you know, I did agree with Abby that I should just work a single instead of a double because I'm coming back. And I'm, but in my head, I'm thinking, well, I can work a double. It's off season. It's slower now and stuff like that. The only thing that bothers me now is just standing, my lower back problem, because it's a concrete floor in the middle. But I didn't really consider it that they're very concerned about my well being, where my concern was for a temporary thing, like, yeah, I'm just getting thick in my revenue stream, work a little longer. And I realized uh, when I told them that, oh, I was going against cross purposes of what they wanted for me, which was to recover and to ease back into work. And easing back into work is what I should have been doing. And I didn't think about that. And, you know, I was just thinking about uh, that other thing. And then... When you do do that, you go and say, wow, I guess I could have I could have put a little more thought into that about what my loved one was was considering. Should I do this or maybe I shouldn't be working that much because I got to spend some time with them. I'm very fortunate to have off on a Sunday and Monday so I could spend um, Abby, my wife, is off on Mondays, Sundays and Mondays. And this past Sunday, we got to go to the beach. Monday, we spent the day together. We could do chores, take care of things. And um, that's our weekend. And we get that. But I also have to be considerate about the things I have to do. And that brings me further to how how people aren't uh, kind to, the, to the, the person they need to be kind to. And that's themselves. It's really, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to be kind to yourself. You just got to think about what, what's best for you at this time. And a lot of times what's best for you is what is best for the people around you. Instead of thinking, I'm going to be doing this and it's best for them. I'm doing this for them. I mean, that's maybe a false equivalency. I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for them. But you say, well, what's, 
what if I if I do that, it's not actually best for me, and it could set me back. God forbid if I if maybe I I get you know I have to go back to work. I mean, have to go back to the hospital. So I'm not taking it easy. On a side note, I got that letter. I finally got that letter signed so I can go back to the gym. And uh, I owned up to the people at the gym. I said, listen, I said uh, to them, listen, uh, you know, I went into, I worked out in the gym two days when I thought the letter was signed and was good when it had dropped off. And then they told me on Monday, two days after I received the letter, that it wasn't uh, satisfactory for me to return for work because it didn't have a, uh, a beginning date of when I can return to work. So my doctor was out. I had to wait a week. And I started bugging them. It seemed like one, one of the people in the office, they were so kind of, you could tell they were annoyed at me because I had told them. I said, listen, I can't go back to my job. And it was my part-time job I was talking about, but it was important to me. It's one of those things that I get to do differently. So I'm not doing one thing. It's along with being a notary, a wedding officiant, a podcaster. I like doing my spin classes. It kind of changes that everyday thing. I'm not going to go up to someone all the time saying, what can I get you to drink? I don't necessarily dream about that. It's nice having a lot of different irons and different fires, so to speak. And I think about that. I'm thinking, wow, uh, I, I, I'm, coming, I'm coming into work. I'm thinking, oh, well, am I being routine about it? Am I doing the same thing? Am I saying the same thing? Am I approaching it the same way? I mean, I got to do it generally. I got to approach work the same way and my life the same way. I want to be upbeat. I want to be positive. I don't want to give that droll look on my face where you're going to say, oh, fuck, everything sucks. No, it doesn't. I have a full life. And uh, getting back to the gym was an important thing for me. It's one of the ways I identified myself. The funny thing is I'm running into people and they're looking at, you notice they're looking at you slightly differently. Once you had a, a cardiac incident, arrhythmia, they go, wow, look at you. You're so healthy and look what happened to you. And I'm saying, well, listen, that didn't necessarily happen because of what I, it it may have happened while I was doing exercise, but I don't think it happened because I was doing exercise or because I exercised a lot. Matter of fact, I had that false sense of protection, meaning I worked out, I did cardio, I was a spin instructor, that I could just eat a half a pound of bacon, uh, a lot of pie, ice cream, and because on the outside I looked good, that the inside was going to take care of itself. And I had that false sense of security. And as I was doing all those things, uh, drinking a shitload of coffee, eating baked potatoes, lots of butter, I love butter, I love white bread, I love steak. I like I'm all the carb and steak, and you know, I'm paying slight attention to the uh, to the green vegetables and fruits. I love oh, I like fruit too, but I, I was all about sweets. I don't drink anymore, so I did that. But 
Yeah, but all those things I did probably contributed to it. And it lent me that false sense of security where I would just, I could just eat what I want, how much I want, not really give a damn. But maybe I, I do. And I feel it now. I don't know if it's something I'm actually feeling in my, I'm feeling my heart or I'm psychomatically suggesting that I feel my heart. Like when I'm hitting the elliptical or the um, rowing machine or the treadmill. And my heart rates jump into like 120, 130. The other day it was like 165. And I'm thinking, oh, whoa, I don't want any plaque breaking art off and causing a blockage. I didn't know that actually happened, which I learned. I was reading, uh, I was reading, doing a little research. I said, can you reduce the plaque in your heart by eating and exercise? And it did say that. It didn't say it was an absolute. But I think with medication and watching what I eat, uh, I just got. I I guess I just got to be more contemplative. Would be the word of what I'm doing, what I'm putting in my body, and how I'm handling stress and handling the shifts I have and. I mean, I do. I work. I work plenty. I'm going back and doing my spin class on Friday. I'll be doing two or three a week. I got, you know, a couple notary jobs. I think next Tuesday I'm doing a, officiating a wedding. Uh, at a, um, you know, here in Key Largo, I might be officiating a wedding. One of the people I might be subbing for is coming back. Boy, I'll tell you, that's that's stressful. I wouldn't really want to do that, worry about traveling from another state, you know, flying in and then having to do a wedding. I'm not really good at multitasking while I'm traveling. Like if I was going to show up for work, then if I was flying in from a couple hours away and then showing up for, uh, let's say, bartending, that I don't think that I think those days may be might be over. So I'm considering that. So, like I said earlier, you got to be good to yourself. You got to think. And I was just listening to a podcast, and it was Ken Burns, and he had some um, words of wisdom, and it was it was that item right there. It's when you're when you are doing things. Or you are reflecting upon things you may have done wrong. You got to be able to be good to yourself and concentrate on that. Uh, That's all I have for today. I'd like to thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bye.